Do you like the show and want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Well, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. Welcome back to another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. And uh, tonight we have our official fact checker, Mr. Wally Phelps. That would be correct. Wally, you looked so serious during the intro. What was going on over there? I had to cough and I was like, what? <laughs> what am I? My cough button isn't working. You what do I do? Mute, you have a mute button. Use it. It wasn't working. <laughs> so, Derek, uh, this last weekend, we uh, I made a little trip over to Pensacola to help you do something. So tell everybody what happened this weekend and um, how stress-free you are at this point. I mean, we just hung out and played some video games yeah, for a couple yeah, of days. Did. I don't know what you're... No. Um, so we filmed uh, The Parker Syndrome, my directorial debut into the uh, the film realm. Um, I will say the beginning of it was a little hectic. Uh, for one, I was extremely nervous because I've never directed anything before. Uh, we were a little light on crew for Saturday. We got started late. The first scene took two and a half hours to do. But really after that, everybody kind of got into a groove and the rest of the entire weekend was relatively stress-free i thought everyone did a fantastic job uh, it was just it was better than anything that i could have ever hoped for and lucky. you know, from <laughs> from you to steve to kevin to everyone who helped out this entire weekend i am eternally grateful i'm still i'm still on that high of yeah. having it you know finished as far as shooting goes and everything and it was it was just a great experience and you know i thought the cast did a great job the we kept the mood light behind the scenes which i thought was very good uh, that way we weren't all wanting to kill each other <laughs> so yeah it was it was great i'm still very tired uh we so we finished on saturday we finished an hour behind schedule we Crew call was at 8. We started filming roughly around 10.15, 10.30. And we wrapped up a little bit after 9. So then it was the same situation on Sunday, but we were able to finish the first scene early because Steve had... I won't say he flat out talked me into it, but he had a little bit of an idea that I kind of molded where we basically shot the the climax of the film as one extended take, meaning there are no cuts or anything. It's just one continuous shot. One three we rehearsed scene. <laughs> hmm? that scene lasted three minutes, three full minutes. Yeah. So we, we rehearsed that thing because it, it not only did it have the two actors, but it also had multiple extras, a lot of moving and coordination. Uh, we rehearsed it. What would you say six or seven times? Yeah. Before we actually rolled, and then it took us nine takes. six, 
yeah, nine takes to to get it down. And I, I take eight was really good, but I wanted to do it one more time just for safety purposes. Yeah. But and that last take was just perfect. And we were all like crowding around the monitor watching it, just geeking out over how well it went. So, you know, we ended up wrapping as we had set aside four hours to shoot that thing and we finished it by noon. Yeah, I, so it, we yeah, that was a brave thing to do that one huge tracking shot through a crowd of people with lots of moving parts. So you have my respect for for <laughs> actually attempting that. I never would have attempted that in a million years. Not with the time crunch we were in. <laughs> well, had we had more time. I was going to consider possibly bailing on it just because I didn't want to keep going through it and it not be right. Yeah. So then I would have just switched to, okay, we'll get a two shot. We'll get solo shots. We'll get close ups, blah, blah, blah. But it worked. Yeah. And we had a, a very nice relaxing lunch, went to the next location, got that done. And we were wrapped before five thirty. And I did sound sound mixing for the movie, so um, when you get the files and there's nothing on them, you'll know it's completely my fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I I highly doubt that's the case. It's a library of of off the shelf special effect sounds. <laughs> so like like a like a Halloween album. It's like, yeah. <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, well, know, guys, we're just going to have to do the whole thing over again. Like I, I told Derek, I was like, we're in the middle of the shoot, and I'm like, why did you pick the guy with the hearing problem to do sound <laughs> for the movie? <laughs> because I had all the faith in the world in you, Jason. Because uh, you'll be listening harder than anyone else. That's the yes. thing is, is the camera guy, uh, Kevin, um, he, he could actually hear everything coming out of my headphones. I had them so loud. He's like, is that hurting your ears? Do you need me to turn all that stuff down? I'm like, no, no, trust me. I need it as loud as possible so I can hear everything going on. That's actually a funny segue to kind of a running gag throughout the weekend is that all the actors were, they had lav mics on. Yeah. And they didn't know that they had a mute button. After I told them they had a mute button, I told everyone <laughs> they had a mute. I so heard it's not everyone. Your fault. I know what everyone sounds like when they pee now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ever see the naked gun? Yes. Yeah. It's exactly like that. <laughs> so, yeah, I got to hear people pee all weekend. <clears throat> oh, not just you. We could all hear it through yeah. your headphones. It was so loud. So everybody got to hear everybody peeing. So it was a good it was a good thing. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was. It was a really great experience that I wouldn't trade for anything. And I, I'm still exhausted from it, but if the opportunity presented itself to do another shoot this weekend, I would do it in a yeah. heartbeat. See, now that I've had a taste of it, oh, yeah. I want more of it. Like, I've, I've had the crack, yes. and now I want more. Yes. Yeah. Everything went well I mean, for you, too. So you, you've got the taste of what a good <laughs> set is like, you know. Well, yeah, yeah. and... For that, I especially owe thanks to to Steve Wise and, and Kevin for, you know, really helping me out yeah. with everything and making it way easier than it probably should have been. So what about you, Mr. Wallace? What have you been up to lately? Stuff and things. Yeah. Um, I've been 
Working on my upcoming show, uh, The Great Movie Guide, uh, which is going to be a podcast that I'm going to release. And this is an exclusive on May 1st of next year. Um, the podcast is basically going to be everybody sends me a top 100 movies of all time list, and I'm compiling them to make the 100 favorite movies of everybody who sent it to me. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's been a weird experience because movies I absolutely hate have been voted for and Mm -hmm. that are objectively bad, like as in what uh but it's been a lot of fun compiling them and i can't wait for everybody to to hear the finished product um other than that i've been playing uh my new playstation 4 that i purchased uh during black friday Mm -hmm. uh played the spider-man game and spider-man is a good game um call of duty uh which i am terrible at and uh what was the other thing that I was doing? Eh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> was, oh, and I did see that new Spider-Man movie, and everyone should go see it. I'm going to see it this weekend. I'm going to see the Spider-Man. The Sp- Same. John Spider-Man. John Spider-Man. A- attorney at law. <laughs> that sounds so- great. I would watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been injured? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and on that note, let's go ahead and move into the news for this week. What do you say, gentlemen? Sure. Thanks. So Sega, no Esquire, I do not want you to show me notifications. Get out of here. Sega just released classic <laughs> games on Amazon TV. This is from EsquireMe.com. Uh, let's see, uh, between the NES Classic, Super Nintendo Classic, and the Sony PlayStation Classic, and the 90s era kaleidoscope of old school games that are available on our current gen consoles on online stores, there's no shortage of nostalgia at your fingertips. Uh, in partnership with Amazon, Sega launched a library of 25 of its most popular Genesis games, including Sonic the Hedgehog, Golden Axe, and Altered Beast on the Fire TV. To make things even more enticing, you don't even have to go all out and order yourself an expensive Bluetooth gamepad. You can play the the games right on the Alexa voice remote. Uh, Though the interface does allow you to play with your own controller, um, there is something truly exhilarating about saying, Alexa, turn off Miss Maisel and boot up Comic Zone, all without getting your ass off the couch. (laughs) So for $14.99, you get Alien Storm, Altered Beast, uh, Beyond Oasis, uh, Comic Zone, Decap Attack, which we'll be talking about tonight. Uh, Let's see, Golden Axe 1, 2, 3, Gunstar Heroes, a bunch of Sonic stuff, Streets of Rage 1, 2, and 3, and The Revenge of Shinobi. So what do you guys think about being able to play classic games on your Fire Stick? No, sir, I don't like it. No, sir, (laughs) I don't like it. No, I think it's cool. Um, I actually have a Fire Stick. Well, I won't be having it too much longer. I'm going to need to get a new one, but I would love to actually see if it works. Well, it sounds like I wouldn't want to play with that controller, though. And that seems kind of weird. It does. It's like, oh, don't worry. You don't have to buy a new controller. Well, you do if you want to play them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, worth the, worth the anything. Uh, it, it, it's a good idea in theory, but I would have to actually have a hands-on for me to really be sold on this. 
Um, yeah, I'm with I'm with Wally on this one. You know, having it on multiple platforms, I think, is great in theory, but it would be one of those things that I would have to actually try before I put down the money to do it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I haven't really heard any reviews uh, of how it runs or anything, but um, I don't know. Maybe we'll see some reviews of it, and then maybe I'll I'll take a crack at it in the new year. But honestly, maybe I'd, so. I'd, I'd rather just get the, uh, I, I, Genesis Classic games on the Switch. Drink water. See, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was going to say that. It's like if all of those games... Okay, maybe not all of them. Some of those games are the ones worth playing are on the Genesis Classics collection. I don't see why you would even want that if you have any of the consoles, you know, because they're available. Yeah. Well, I mean, if this is for somebody who doesn't really have any sort of console or anything, but does have nostalgia for for old games, maybe this is directed at them. Yeah, I mean yeah. it has to be the 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 people who grew up with them that didn't sink the money into a console. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know. I <clears throat> more places to get it, the better. I say. <laughs> Let's put them on our phones. Let's yeah. put it on the the um, the units that are inside the dashboards of our cars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point, why not? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> we'll we'll have it we'll have it on everything. It's on my watch, my Apple Watch. Yeah. And our other news story comes to us from tweaktown.com. Switch online may get SNES games and beyond. Uh, this is actually something that we haven't talked about yet is after um this holiday season Nintendo will no longer be making the NES and SNES classics. So, once those are sold out, Switch online will be the main path for retro gaming which means it could expand considerably. In lieu of new retro consoles, Nintendo could use Switch Online as a new subscription-based virtual console that offers NES, SNES, and eventually even N64 games. Nintendo's latest Switch handheld console hybrid has no virtual console presence, a digital shop that sells older retro games on the Wii, Wii U, and 3DS from anywhere from $5 to $10. Um, it does have classic games like Neo Geo and Sega games for $7.99 a pop, but believe beloved old school Nintendo games are missing in piecemeal sales. Uh, eventually, Switch Online will be the only avenue for retro gaming on the hybrid system. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Let's see. It's actually kind of a decently long article. Yeah. It's basically saying that, you know, with the NES and SNES classics eventually being discontinued, the Switch Online system is going to be the only place to get these games, but the problem is they're releasing them at the pace of a snail. Yeah. They yeah. release, what, three to five a month, and they're only doing NES games now, so eventually they would have to expand to SNES and N64. But the problem is is if they keep releasing them at the pace that they are, they're going to lose out on a lot of money. And that's the thing. I mean, they've got the perfect platform to put out pretty much every game that's ever been made for those consoles, and they could do it in the snap of a finger. But of course, Nintendo being Nintendo, they're uh, you know I I don't understand why they don't want our money. <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, why? 
dangle this carrot in front of our nose when you know that there's not enough carrots to go around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it it just seems so backwards. I mean, if if they were releasing like 15, 20, like like if it was a Netflix for for classic games where you get like 15 new games every single year, uh, month, then yeah, I don't I don't see where there would be a problem with not releasing any other way of getting them. But because of the fact that there's only 3 uh, like a month, three to five, and they're all mostly games I really don't care about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's like, well, what is the incentive for me to buy a Switch for for that purpose? And there's not much pulling me in that direction at this time. I don't know. Maybe they're just kind of holding out until the, you know the NES and SNES classics are no longer being produced. And there is, I don't know, maybe the, once they're no longer in production, they'll start pushing out more uh, virtual console games. Well, that's soon, because they said that they're going to stop production once this uh, holiday season's over. I mean, it would only make sense for Nintendo to do that, but we know how slow Nintendo can be to giving people actually what they want. Yeah, yeah. They, they're slow to react to the market. Yeah. So, I mean, if they go in this direction, I say just release the N64 games on this and not even do an N64 classic. That would make more sense to me. Yeah. Which is why Nintendo probably won't do that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I I like Wally's idea. If you're only going to release a certain number of games per month, maybe do a total of 15, do five NES, five SNES, and five N64. Yeah. Or and then uh, licensed classics from like the Turbo Graphics and the um, Neo the Geo, Neo Geo, and <laughs> I would love to see someone do like classic 3DO games too, or something like that. That would be that would be awesome to be able to play like the the seventh guest or oh, yeah. something of that nature. And all mm-hmm. I'm asking for is just a you know a virtual shop. To get whatever I want, purchase whatever retro games I want to purchase in the shop. Like, why not? Yes. You don't have to give them to me. You know, like, it's cool to have the, you know, the Nintendo games come out for the Switch every month. But it's always kind of stuff that I'm really not, don't want to play. Like, I do want to play yeah. Metroid and Legend of Zelda and those type of things. But if you just give me a store, like, if I have a Switch you know, a Nintendo uh, Switch Online a year subscription, you know, let me have a discount in the store, like a 25% discount or 50% discount on something. Like, I, yeah. I, I would just purchase whatever I wanted to play. Yeah, well, and, and you know these companies that are nostalgic, that, that, that cruise on nostalgia never give you any kind of a discount for anything. Yeah. So I don't think that's ever going to happen. But any way Probably to not. get them would be nice. So come on, Nintendo, give us, give us, uh, give us something here, please. It would be nice. But let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. Uh, in December of 1983, Namco releases Pole Position Two, adding three additional tracks. Uh, I say we've talked about Pole Position before, haven't we? Uh, more than once. <laughs> so, yeah. 
you know, when you're positioning those poles, yeah, well, it it's much more difficult with those three tracks. <laughs> so many oh poles had to be positioned they had to make a second game about it that's right there weren't <laughs> enough positions for the poles originally but now there were three more and it was fine i had a girlfriend once that liked to do the pole position i nearly uh get, broke my hip <laughs> <laughs> let's move uh, on any anyway <laughs> on December donkey 12th, Kong. sorry December 12th, 1983, Nintendo publishes Donkey Kong Jr. Math for the Famicom. Isn't Donkey Kong uh, Jr. Math what uh, Joey Image was talking about a few weeks ago or something like that? Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even, I can't even think, remember what the gameplay was like, but it, it sounds, it sounds like a romp. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, doesn't it? Thanks, Mom, for getting me a math game for Christmas. Great. Best Christmas ever. I just can't wait for... <laughs> I'm sorry. Grand, Grand Theft Calculus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, your turn, Wally. December. Uh, doesn't have a date here. 1983. Of 1983. Namco... Libble Rabble? I sound like I'm drunk. <laughs> Namco Libble Rabble. System 16 Universal releases as Namco's second arcade system board to use a 16-bit microprocessor. That was a mouthful. Namco Libble Rabble. They could have named. Love it the name. Never easier. heard of it. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of sounds like uh, <clears throat> the Hamburglar. Rabble Rabble. <laughs> the Namco Rabble Rabble. Rabble Rabble. <laughs> Uh, December of 1984, Namco again releases Super Exevious and Dragon Buster, the latter of which is one of the first games to feature a life bar. Did not know that. Interesting. Interesting. I love finding out little facts like that. Like, I would never know that Dragon Buster was the first game to, or one of the first games to use a life bar. Yeah, and we don't get <laughs> life bars anymore that, uh, like, too often. Yeah, that's true. Before that, were they just you know dying <laughs> i mean was it what did they do before that uh one hit deaths <laughs> basically yes pretty much yeah uh december of 1984 capcom releases 1942 i love 1942 that's such a weird game to release in the united states I mean, that's the game where you are a Japanese fighter pilot no, in World no. War II. No, you're an American fighter pilot fighting the Japanese in the no, Pacific. No, sir, you are confused. <laughs> are you sure? I'm pretty sure. That's a Japanese company. Why would they do it that way? I'm uh, looking this see. up. 19, 1942 is set in the Pacific theater of World War II. The goal is to reach Tokyo and destroy the entire Japanese air fleet. No, no, that's why it's so weird about this game. You got a Japanese company making a game about Americans destroying Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, now it makes even less sense. It's like Capcom is letting you pay $60 so that you can murder them. Yeah. Well, actually, that's so I, much fun. I think the one I'm thinking of is 1943, the Battle of Midway. I used to have that for the Nintendo, and I used to use my NES Advantage to play it. Interesting. Good game. Well, in December of 1984, 
Irem, huh, releases Kung Fu Master and lays the foundations for beat the beat 'em up genre. Kung Fu Master. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember Kung Fu Master. I love this game. <laughs> oh, this is never played it, but it I have over. seen I have seen the actual arcade board before. Yeah, this is this is just uh, what they ported to the Nintendo as Kung Fu. Okay. Oh. Uh, cool. Also, on, to close out 1984 in December, Atari Games releases Marvel Madness, their first game written in the C programming language, and to use a 68,000 family microprocessor. I love Marble Madness so much. Was it Madness with Marbles? Uh, it was Madness. It was Marbling Madness. It was Marvelous. Yes, it was Marble. Marvelous. Marvelous. Moving on to 1988, on December 1st, Nintendo releases Zelda II The Adventure of Link in America. The game had been released nearly two years earlier in Japan on the Famicom Disk System before America even saw the first Legend of Zelda. I hate Zelda II. So bad. (laughs) Yeah, it's... It's not a good game. I do want to go back and try and finish it just for the sake of finishing it, but it's not a good game. No, it's, it's a not. complete departure from what made the original great. Come they tried to bro. Mario it up too much, and Come it did us, not bro. work. It is awful. It's not a good game. So, in December 9th of 1988, Tecmo released Ninja Gaiden for the NES and Famicom. My white whale, which I will finish one day. Uh, Ninja Gaiden. On December 17th of 1988, Square Company releases... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Square Company releases Final Fantasy II for the Famicom Disk System and the second installment of the Final Fantasy series. You don't say. But it's probably... Is it like really, though? Final Fantasy IX when it came to America and, you know, that that whole thing. It's, it, uh, it is my favorite Final Fantasy game because I haven't played it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Uh, I love that joke so much. <laughs> one day, I'm going, one of us is going to piss off a diehard Final Fantasy fan, and they're just going to go off on us on Twitter, and it's going to be my favorite day ever. Well, you know, I, I, this is something that's been going on since high school for me. Because, you know, I mentioned that I don't like the Final Fantasy games, and they always ask me why, and the answer is simple. I don't like taking turns hitting somebody. Yeah. <laughs> First I kick That's you a good in enough the nuts, reason. and then you kick me in the nuts. <clears throat> <laughs> the Rishimber! <laughs> That's okay, what it stands for. RPG, does it stand for Rochambeau uh, playing game? Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. <clears throat> this on like des- a, a congressional hearing. Yes. Uh, yes. On December, that gives me an idea for an episode of the show, but I'll talk about that later. Uh, December twenty fourth, nineteen eighty eight, Capcom releases Mega Man two in Japan, eventually becoming the highest selling installment of the entire franchise, with a total of one point five million copies sold. And that's only to Jason. Yeah, I know. I know all of them. <laughs> Uh, I did buy Mega Man 11 uh, a couple of days ago, uh, last week, and it is good, but good lord is it hard. 
I got little random trivia note. This was one of the two first, uh, one of the two games reviewed on the very first episode of this show. Yes. Along now, with Link to the Past. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and speaking of taking turns, uh, <laughs> December 6th of 1989, Strategic Studies Group, which sounds like a blast, yeah. releases Warlords, which was one of the first fantasy turn-based strategy games. Let me look at um, this. I don't... Warlords. I don't... Oh, yeah, this isn't what I was thinking of. There's a Atari 2600 game called Warlords, wasn't there? Where you, like, defend your bases in the four corners of the screen? I really don't know. Strategic Studies Group sounds like something I had to be in because I was in trouble. I know. That's, that's the worst development company name ever. Isn't it? Is it just me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> it does sound like a school club. Uh, on December 15th of 1989, Hudson Soft releases Bonk's Adventure, introducing yeah! the Graphic 16 mascot and starting the Bonk franchise. I love Bonk. I would love to get my hands on a copy of Bonk for the NES because I, I, it goes for a lot of money these days. Really? Yes, it does. Well, I, I played it on TurboGrafx-16, and it was so good. It, yeah. it, you know, climbing up hills using your teeth. Um, it, it just, I don't know why that just captured my imagination. Just that one thing. Like, here I am, this big-headed little boy, gnawing my way up a hill. It was great. Yeah, I used to go into <laughs> the, I'm looking uh, at screen caps, and I want to play this game. I used to go into the Toys R Us Back in the 90s when they had a TurboGrafx-16, you know, set up to play and they had Bonk's Adventure. It almost made me want to buy one. Yeah. Uh, Here we go, right here. Uh, uh, Bonk's Adventure for the NES on eBay right now. The $499.95. Or there's one that's going to buy it. Buy it now for $539.99. Here's one complete in box for $1,249.99. That's reasonable. Yeah, it is. Right? Let's see. December 15th of 1989, Technosoft releases Herzog's Y. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. For the Mega Drive in Japan, laying the foundations for the real-time strategy genre. I remember us trying to pronounce this last year. Herzog Zwei. Zwei. Hmm. Everything good. in this month's tr- uh, trivia sounds like something that we would say drunk. Yeah, it does. Herzog <laughs> Zwei had a Let me tell you war. about that Herzog Zwei game. I was in my strategic studies group when <laughs> Herzog Zwei came over and he was playing this new music called techno soft and and but, you wouldn't you but you would know what like... it was it was still better than final fantasy that's right <laughs> all right wally round us out on december 22nd 1989 konami releases castlevania 3 dracula's curse the third and final game from the series for nes love the game but man is it hard too many stairs too many damn stairs in that game. <laughs> Apparently the creators of these games had a fetish with stairs. Yeah. 
So, Wally, are you ready to do your review tonight? I am ready. Well, here, let me play a little music for you. Um, hold on. <laughs> I'll play it as <laughs> soon as I get it. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Jaunty. <laughs> yes. Well, so, tonight, Wally is going to be talking about Decap Attack. Yes. Uh, Decap Attack is a 1991 platformer game developed by Vic Takai and published by Sega for the Sega Genesis. The game is a westernized version of a 1990 Japanese Mega Drive game called Get This. Magical hat no Batobi Tabu Daikoden Boken. <laughs> now you look easy. at it and it makes you go, what? It looks like magical hat no butthole <laughs> Tabu <laughs> Daikon radishes. Magical hat no butthole Tabu. That's what we're going to name the episode tonight. <laughs> that would be pretty taboo in its defense. <laughs> Uh, uh, with the art, plot, music, and level designs all being changed. <laughs> so, I mean, what's what, left? What's both? <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> well, they just wanted to put that title in there. Yeah. Uh, both are updates of the 1988 NES game Kid Cool and the 1989 Master Sister game, uh, Sister Master System game Psycho Fox. The game was also released for the Sega Genesis Collection for PlayStation 2. PlayStation Portable, Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection for the 360, PlayStation 3, Steam, and Sega Forever Mobile the service. So, basically, how do I even describe this game? Well, I remember playing it with you a couple of months ago when you were so, thinking about getting rid of your... You had the Sega Genesis Collection for the Xbox. Yeah, which is the exact same thing that they're coming out with for Switch. Yeah. And... The way it works is there's an island that is shaped like a, a skull, like a human, well, not a skull, a human skeleton, and it kind of segments into different pieces. Now, I don't really understand exactly what's going on, <laughs> but uh, you are playing as a character named Chuck D. Head, which is so cute. Um, <laughs> it, ba basically, he's a headless mummy created by the mad scientist Dr. Frank N. Stein and his assistant Igor, who incidentally looks like Frankenstein, uh, monster. And he's sent to defeat the Max D. Cap, a demon who has returned from the underworld with his army of monsters to conquer the surface world. So once, basically the game goes, hi, we created you, um... I, I, they never really explain this, but your character has a face in his stomach, hmm. and the your attack is you shoot the face out of your stomach, and you can actually find a head to put on the top of your body to throw at enemies. I am not high, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so, so the, the way the game goes is like this. It's a platforming game and you go through the levels and, you know, there's your normal platforming stuff where you have to, to avoid the enemies. Uh, you can stop them either by hitting them with the head, uh, throwing the head at them or, uh, jumping on top of them until they explode into, uh, skeletons. And throughout the level, there's these like tiki totems that you can hit with your head, with your face head. And they will break open to give you like potions and things of that nature, or you can find your head that way. Um, as the game progresses, you can also find enemies hidden inside of them, uh, which is bullshit. <laughs> but, uh, and you can also find nothing. So, uh, but as you go progress, you're fighting characters and, and they're weird characters. Like there's an apple looking fellow, that shoots arrows out of his head. There's skeleton fish and just birds. They're just a random assortment of things that you're supposed to fight. And it, I don't understand some of them. Like in one level, there's a, like an otter who is wearing sunglasses, who looks like he's from an entirely different game. Um, there's, uh, like a robot that has that that is trying to catch you, and when um, it tries to attack you, it has this mouth that looks like the alien's mouth, and it just seems so inconsistent and weird. Um, but and the way it controls is odd because, like I said, there are these potions and things that you can collect. That was one of the things I was going to bring up, because I remember when me and you were playing it that first night, it was really hard to control. Yeah. The controls of the game are kind of slippery. Yeah, because you expect one button to be select. Okay, so the way it does is like this. Yeah, it it is kind of slippery. He feels like he's on ice at all times. In fact, he does this that little, oh my God, I'm going to fall down animation almost all the time. But whenever you try to, there's a button to go into the lab and use one of your potions. And there's not really a way to, because you have, the way it works is there's like a little, a little um, uh, arrow that you point at the potion and you have to select it. And figuring out what button selects it always brings me back to the main game. (laughs) multiple times before I figure it out. Cause you would think it's the same select button as it was to get in there. And it is not. So you hit the select button, you go in there, you select the one that you want, and then you have to basically ask, what does this do? (laughs) And then once it tells you, you can decide whether or not to use it. And it, it takes forever to figure out how to get out because it's not the obvious choice. You have to hit the other select button. I mean, it's, it's convoluted, <laughs> and, um, but the power-ups do help out in, in certain times because it'll freeze your enemies uh, or it will make gravity not work as well or so- something of that nature. There's one that helps with boss battles, and it shoots like a fireball at the boss. Um, and the bosses are incredibly weird. Um, there's one that is... 
Um, but the first one is looks like I don't know how to describe this. Like a shrunken head if it had a body <laughs> with horns and it takes off the horns and flings them at you. So you have to move out of the way and hit them. And it's just, it's so bizarre. And <laughs> there's another one where it looks like a giant, a giant, I don't know, like a brain with two halves, <laughs> like like the top half and the bottom half looks like the top half of the brain. I don't know. And then it opens up and there's like a clam looking thing in there. Like, you know, uh, not to be crude, but it looks kind of like a clitoris just popping out of there. <laughs> and and you have to jump up and you have to attack the clitoris. <laughs> That's what I do all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you got to mash that on make it really you the well. commander? That's right. <laughs> I command it. <laughs> and you got to mash it just so. So, you know, and, and the good thing is that you can use one of the potions on it. So you can stick there longer and you can hit hit it as long as you can until it's gone, <laughs> until it's finished. <laughs> and uh but the game the game is inconsistently difficult. Um there like the very first level is and the reason why it's like that is because when you die, you start all the way over at the beginning of the game. But you don't get any of the power-ups again. But the enemies are back. Hmm. So, yes, the, the you know, the, if you got the head in that section and all the potions over here or whatever, or, or the heart, whatever, they're gone because you already used them. That <laughs> sucks. It's, yes. Um, so, and I think it's like that so you don't, like, die on purpose and go through and restock all the the yeah potions but at the same time i couldn't get through it the first time now i definitely can't because i don't have any hearts anywhere to find yeah so it, it, it's wildly inconsistent but it's still a lot of fun i it's so different from anything else that's out there that I would highly recommend you pl at least play it for the novelty factor. Um, because, I mean, th think about it. I mean, you're a mummy with a face in its head, in, in, in its stomach, flinging it at people <laughs> and, and throwing a head across the, the... I mean, this is basically... a This is probably the best game I've ever played where I have to attack people with my face. <laughs> so Derek, I also feel any, it's the only one. Did you have any, uh, any opinions? Have you ever played decap attack? No, I haven't, but now I really want to. It just sounds just weird enough where it would be fun. It is really interesting. I mean, I love the aesthetic of the game. I love the way it looks. I like the sound of it. The The artwork's really cool. I just found the, the controls to just be really way too slippery to be uh, a good platformer. Like, it's frustratingly... Uh, I don't know. It's frustrating because it's like Wally said. It's like the character is constantly on ice. 
So it's really mm-hmm. hard to kind of judge your jumps and things like that. And and you get killed way too easily. So I, yeah. I don't know. It's, it, it's, I mean, I, I would like to play it a lot, but uh, it seems like the kind of game that would frustrate me if I played it for too long. Yeah. Well, I, I beat the game when I was a kid, and it was not worth it. But <laughs> it was still... It was still a lot. I felt this great sense of accomplishment because it was so damned hard. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and you talk about how, you know, the controls are imprecise. I mean, but the more you play it, the better you get at judging things. Well, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, that, that's but, kind of how that works. <laughs> but, but at the same time, you, you'll run into places like, like there are sections where the platforms are almost invisible. They're camouflaged. Yeah into the background and you're like, well, where the, where am I supposed to be jumping? And there'll, there'll be times where it's more difficult because you failed earlier and you know, the platforms that will fall away, they're still gone when you come back. Hmm. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So all the enemies come back, but nothing that helps you is still there. (laughs) So it's, it is a frustrating game. Uh, but, uh, I, I, I don't think that if you pick it up, you're going to be uh, too disappointed. Uh, I also don't think you're going to spend a lot of time with it either. Yeah. So, I I mean, what do you guys use uh, uh, to, up to 10 rating or up to 5? Uh, we usually do ten. up to 10. So, I will go, I'll give it a 5.5. Well, then, okay. I mean, th- this game is always on those... Uh, you know, Sega collections, and I'm yeah. pretty sure it's coming out for the Switch too. With that, the new Sega collection that's coming out. I mean, this was, I, you know, I remember the advertising for this game when I was a kid. Like, this game was advertised pretty heavily. Uh, yeah, especially like in comic books and things like that. So, you know, I I love the like. I would love to just have a poster of the game cover. Like, I love the art of this game. Like just, it's so wonderfully weird. I agree. Cause that the aesthetic of the whole game is so bizarre. Um, I mean, but it also is the aesthetic is also why it's frustrating because I, I know that the whole design of Chuck D head had to be, an artistic choice because it does not help gameplay. Um, the there's a water sections where there are like jellyfish. And unless you have that head on the top of your head, you you're going to get hurt going through there because they swim up to the top of the, the water section and there's, and, and your face that you're throwing at them is in your tummy. There's no way to hit them at that point. You have to back up and go up a little if if that even exists to hit them because they're all up in in your in where your face should be <laughs> instead of in your belly face. This is a weird conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh decap attack is on that Sega collection for the Switch. Yeah, this was I a just pretty it big big uh genesis release back in the day so <clears throat> i and you know i'm not surprised that it's always on every sort of like you know genesis collection because this was a big release for this for sega back in the day 
You know, I had it. I'm sure, I'm but then sure again, everybody did. I, I only owned two games, and this was one of them. Not so, no, I had more than that, but, you know, I had all the Sonic games and this. So you do recommend the game, though, right? I, I recommend it. I mean, if you're a Sega fan, you definitely need this game. Honestly, if you're an art fan, because <laughs> yeah. I think I think this game really qualifies as a work of art because of how bizarre it is. I don't think you'll find anything that is so in- inconsistent it's so consistently inconsistent with its art style. And it's got a wonderful soundtrack. That uh, music that you played earlier was from the first level. Yeah. Um, the uh, the actual theme song to the to the game is a jaunty tune. And it's it's stuck in my head ever since I was 13. Yeah. <laughs> so it's I, I do recommend that. Any Genesis fan has this in their library. So this was, yeah, this was published by Sega because I was actually wondering why this wasn't a, uh, <clears throat> you know, a, a multi-console release. Yeah, it, it was developed for and by Sega, um, and it was uh, based on that magical hat, no butthole. <laughs> So I wonder why Sega never tried to make this into a um, like a franchise. Because I mean, it, obviously, it sold well enough. Um, maybe it was too. Maybe parents didn't like it, or huh. I mean, because it's it's weird. I mean, you know, you're hitting people with your face head, and yeah. I mean, your 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 stomach head face. What? Yeah. I mean, what are you doing here? Uh, it's it just I don't know. It, it was just super weird. There could have been so much done in a sequel. Uh, in fact, if they make a sequel, that would be amazing. You never know. I mean, if it yeah, if if interest is there, uh, I don't see why Sega wouldn't make it for the Switch. <laughs> you're out of you're out of drink, Wally. You have, you're gonna have to get some more. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I come prepared. <laughs> so he um, knew this was coming. <laughs> anything else? Anybody want to throw in about decap attack before we leave tonight? Sounds like it would have made an interesting uh, cartoon series as well. Uh, I highly agree. Well, it did say here. Uh, a uh, comic strip loosely based upon Decap Attack appeared in the UK's Sonic the Comic. Um, mm-hmm. A strip contained a very absurdist and manic sense of humor, dealing with the daily life of Chuck, um, the evil-minded Igor or Igor, and the stereotypical mad scientist Professor Frankenstein, who is actually faking his German accent and is really a former choir boy from Cardiff. What? <laughs> Odd. Uh, Max Decap only appeared twice in the strip, in the first story and one where the characters went to hell and was partnered both times with his accountant who was constantly encouraging Max to be more stere- stereotypically evil in his mannerisms. Max is described by the professor as being one of the most evil beings alive and he borrowed the professor's lawnmower and never returned it. Am I having a is, stroke, or was that an actual sentence I just read? You must understand that he is one of the most evil beings alive. 
He borrowed my lawnmower and never returned it. Okay, then. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that that was a sentence. <laughs> and a uh, fake German accent. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it said it was in, so... <laughs> So, fellas, let's go ahead and start wrapping this up because we are recording our Christmas episode this evening as well. So, um, yes. Wally, anything else you want to throw in or, or anything to tell people about before we get out of here tonight? Well, if you have a top 100 movie list, the uh, now I will take a list that has less than 100 movies on it. Uh, the position of them do matter. Your number one will be worth 100. Your number 100 will be worth one. And you just send that to the big, uh, the real big wall at wait, is that my email address? Yes. yes the real big wall at gmail.com, uh, with the, uh, one, uh, top 100 as the subject matter. I do recommend separating movies in a series, even if you see them as one movie, uh, that's not going to help their chances. And, uh, what else is there about that? Yeah. Oh, you have until January 1st. So you don't have a lot of time, but you have more time than you think. And uh, you can also go to my Facebook page, uh, which is Great Movie Guide and at Great Movie Guide on Twitter. And, you know, I, when you first started talking about it, I thought it would be daunting to make a list of 100 movies. But it was actually relatively easy to do. You don't realize how many movies you like until you start writing out a list. Well, let me, let me, this is going to be another exclusive for you. Uh, I'm going to give you the top 10 as of right now. Awesome. Do so, it. So, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Number 10 is Beetlejuice. Hmm. Nine is The Dark Knight. Eight is Die Hard. Seven, Return of the Jedi. Six, Fellowship of the Ring. Five, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Four, The Princess Bride. Three, Ghostbusters. Two, Empire Strikes Back. And the number one movie of all time is something you're going to have to come back May 1st. Ah, oh. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love the tease. <laughs> I'm not even going to give it away. You blow it! <laughs> uh, you are welcome <laughs> so Derek anything else you want to uh, throw out there before we leave this evening yeah uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show wrapped filming of the Parker Syndrome this weekend if you want to check out some photos uh, from this weekend shoot you can go to all the social medias and just search for the Parker Syndrome um, my solo show the Derek Diamond Experience will be relaunching uh, with kind of a, like a mini bonus episode on January 3rd. And then the following week, the 10th, will be uh, under the new format where I'll be talking with uh, those who work in the film and television industry. And you can follow the podcast on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. Fantastic. And I have nothing going on personally. So just go follow me over on Twitter at JFantastic. <laughs> I'll have something going on again one day soon, hopefully. Help me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But let's go ahead and we'll play our music here. 
If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro, at jfunktastic, at Derek underscore diamond, and at the real big wall. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. Go support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And if you can't do that, then go leave us a review wherever you download our show from. So everyone, I want to say thank you to Wally for coming on the show tonight. And uh, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Wow.